Welcome to In Capernaum, a slice of life podcast where real Christian friends come together to navigate the world on their journey to God. We hope that while you're here, you experience authentic friendship, edifying conversation, and a deep love for God. Thanks for coming. We're glad you're here. Oh, man. We could have gone the whole show and not had any of it recorded. It was, I was, that is just lucky that I yeah. just saw that. The Holy Spirit's like, let's get this show on the road, man. Oh, my gosh. That's funny. <laughs> oh, please. Ooh, yeah. Well, anyway. What, hey. What do you want to – hey. <laughs> What's going on, guys? Oh, boy. What – uh. What do you want to talk about with Lent? Anything in particular you've been thinking about? Well, I think this year it's very interesting because this year Lent started on Valentine's Day, which was a very interesting combination because, you know, uh, shoot, we're going to, by the way, we're, for our listener, we're going to keep a tally. Stuart and I realize that we both say, you know, a lot. So we're going to keep a little tally and see who, who out, you knows each other's. You know, that is a good idea. Maybe don't turn this into a drinking game because you it may you may have to go to the hospital because we <laughs> you may want to cut this out, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, anyway, so back to my original point. So Ash Wednesday and Valentine's Day were on the same day this year, in the beginning of Lent and the season of penance, which was very interesting because it combined with this day that's usually very like very comfort oriented. And very sugar oriented too, because of all the sweets and candies, and has a very interesting connotation with love. And unfortunately, with the culture, it's very sexualized and very uh, about feelings and comforts and things. But it's so interesting that it was combined with a day that's all about penance and all about discomfort in a lot of ways and fasting. And I was listening to, I believe it was Teresa Tamiyo's listening to how they made the point about how it's fitting in a way that Valentine's day would be combined with Ash Wednesday because it really puts a very heavy focus on what real love looks like. That's not all these sweets while everyone is kind of gallivanting off uh, with, with what feels good and with, kind of lesser forms of what we understand love to be that conflict really helps us to focus on what true love looks like because at the end of the season we get to see the culmination of real love which is that death and resurrection of jesus Hmm. i thought that was a great point that, that what real love looks like isn't feelings oriented and how there's that kind of that odd side of contradiction. It, it seems like an oxymoron, but it's really it makes a ton of sense. Yeah, that's awesome. So, bam, <laughs> the show has begun. <laughs> and uh, and see, Valentine was a martyr, actually. Yeah, that's so kind that's, of that's, he he did not have a, a easy martyrdom either. He, he how do you know? How, I was just going to ask if you knew how he was martyred. I don't know. Well, let me just tell you, I'm looking it up right now. Oh, so you were just kind of guessing that he didn't have an easy martyrdom? I was hoping that I guess no ready. martyrdom is easy. <laughs> so <laughs> I just know that it was not uh, it was not pleasant. 
Um, <laughs> we can look it up later. Yeah, we'll we'll look it up. Our listener has Google too. <laughs> they can tell us. Yeah, but that's an awesome point. Did you and Hannah celebrate Valentine's Day this year, or if so, how did you celebrate it? Yeah, we did. We didn't do too. I mean, we we're in the process of moving right now. We just bought a, our first house, actually. So our Valentine's Day, we did it uh, Tuesday. So we did it the the day before. Oh, nice. Yeah. So that you could really enter into Ash Wednesday? Yeah. And also, she had to work 12 hours a day, so we, didn't, we wouldn't <laughs> get a lot of chance. <laughs> so, no, but it's solely for those much, you know, holier reasons. <laughs> yeah, totally. No, that's awesome. That's, we did that as well. We uh, we were going to do it the day before, but the, <laughs> I, I took Chaley out, uh, for a little oh. daddy daughter date. Oh, uh, little awesome. Valentine's day date, uh, the day before on Tuesday. And then today, me and Marine Thursday, the 14th, mm-hmm. 15th, me and Marine went skiing together for a little date. Awesome. How old is Chaley now? She's two and a couple months. Man, that's insane. So what we actually did, we, yeah, what'd you do? We moved some. We moved some things, and we didn't do anything super elaborate. But she left me a. She bought me a card, which is kind of fun, and she wrote a very long, beautiful message in it, and just about how much she loves me and how it, it's. It was like one of those letters that you get that that you hold on to. And look at all the time, just because it, awesome. it fills you with that that deep deep love. Um, and I I got her some roses, you know, nice dozen roses. Nice. And they're not they weren't like the typical red ones. They had like they're like kind of the cream with the red fringe, you know, like artsy fartsy kind of like <laughs> you know like fancy roses. You know, yeah, nice. It was cool because we were both thinking of each other, and we both kind of did little surprises, which was fun. And then we we took. Uh, stuff over to the new house and so our fancy dinner was jet's pizza and nice that is my kind of fancy dinner i'm telling you man that's that's real love right there once you get past all the like fancy restaurants and all the you know supposed (laughs) fancy things jet's pizza is is where the real love's at i'm telling you so also saint valentine was beheaded (laughs) just, just so you guys know. Try to edit that <laughs> in to make sure. Yeah, put it, put it at the beginning. Adding, yeah. adding 30 <laughs> minutes to my job. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, boy. This is... I Man. Just when we thought we couldn't improve on the first recording. Off to, off to a bang, I'm telling you. <laughs> so, well... I, I give some thoughts on on Len. What's what's on your mind this time around? What have any uh, big thoughts? I mean, we we just began yesterday, so fresh into the season. What are you thinking? Thanks for asking, Andrew. It's funny because I I knew I wanted to talk about this with you on earlier this really? week, okay. and so I was just thinking and praying mm-hmm. about Lent and seeing what the Lord had to say to me about it. And, well, let me give you an example. When you think of someone who prays every day, who gives alms to the poor regularly, 
who fasts twice a week and who li- you know who lives a moral life who who do you think of i mean jesus comes to mind but that's i feel like that's the <laughs> the reason i asked that question is cuz i think that we when we think mm-hmm. of holiness right we we kind of list those things and those are mm-hmm. all good things but when jesus actually lists those things in reference to someone in mm-hmm. the gospels he's actually talking about a pharisee oh that's interesting yeah I think that as Catholics, one of the biggest obstacles to true holiness is Pharisaism, the the temptation to become a Pharisee. And I think that Jesus thinks that too, because so often in the Gospels, who's he talking to? Who's he rebuking? Who's he correcting? The Pharisees. I don't think the Holy Spirit included all that just so we would know that like there is this Jewish sect 2000 years ago that gave Jesus a hard time, you know, I <laughs> well, think it's not untrue I, though, you know, <laughs> it's not untrue. It's not untrue. Yeah. But I think, but there's a lot that happened. You know, St. John says that uh, if everything about Jesus were to be written, there wouldn't be enough books in the world to fill it out. True. Mm-hmm. So why that, mm-hmm. why the Pharisees and that relationship, and I think it's because, partly, I mean, the, the Pharisees were the religious zealots of the day. They were the orthodox believers. Right. They believed in the resurrection. Yeah. They believed. And the Sadducees did not. Right. And they believed in the word of God. And the laws that they made originally were made to help them follow the law of God. Mm-hmm. And so I think that we are are the Pharisees. I think mm-hmm. that... So often that's that's where we have the most to learn from is is what Jesus is saying to the Pharisees and and just that example I gave at the beginning there of okay, you pray, you fast, you give alms, you <laughs> you live a moral life. That's the exact example Jesus gives when he says compares him to the tax collector who stands off to the side and says, Lord have mercy on me, a sinner. Right. And I know in my heart, it's so easy to get caught up in, oh, holiness is praying more, giving more alms, fasting more, doing this, and not get to the heart of what Lent is all about. Mm -hmm. And so for me, this Lent is really about, and and again, those things are all good, you know. Yeah, right. But (laughs) but please keep doing that. That that is important. (laughs) But But if you have to choose between the two, it's better to do none of those and to just go and humbly say to God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Mm-hmm. You know, God wants our heart, right. not the externals. And I'll, I want to hear what you have to say about it, but I, I just have to bring this full circle by sharing. Then the priest at Ash Wednesday, I went to mass at 7 PM and, mm-hmm. and he gave a very similar exhortation. Mm-hmm. He gave the example of a wife whose husband is, you know, a great, great husband. He, he doesn't drink or, I mean, he doesn't get drunk. He doesn't abuse her. He's a good friend to his friends. He doesn't swear. He, he provides for the family. He works hard. He makes time to spend with the family. He's irreproachable. So the, I mean, he's talking about me, right? This is the priest that knows me. Okay. Well, 
Careful. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Before I... just just the first half, I guess. <laughs> yeah, the first half. And humble uh, too. Yeah. So, <laughs> so irreproachable. But have you ever heard someone say, "But his his heart isn't fully with our family. He cares more about work, or he cares mm-hmm. more about his friends, or he mm-hmm. cares more about something else." Right. Our family, we're not his number one priority. He's irreproachable. He does everything right, but his heart's not with the family. We're not his number one. And he compared that to our relationship with God. Mm -hmm. Okay, we go to Sunday Mass. We go to daily Mass. We do all this great stuff. And we may be irreproachable externally, just like the Pharisees. Mm -hmm. But God wants our hearts. Absolutely. So that's, that's kind of what's been on my mind is how do we give God our hearts? And cut through to what really matters most this lift. That's beautiful. And I couldn't agree with you more. I can't remember who I was talking to, but we were talking about something very similar. Um, we're, we're doing that Exodus 90 program right now. And the program itself is something that on the one hand is very challenging, but on the other hand bears a lot of beautiful fruits and it's even more beautiful that we get to do it in a way that extends Lent from the beginning of this year all the way to, it just so happened to end on Easter, which is very fitting. And, and I think it adds a lot more to, to the experience. One of the things I noticed though, is that it definitely challenges everyone in a different way, but there's a lot of people who like to do some of these challenges in a way that they get so militant about their faith in a sense mm-hmm. of like, you know, this kind of mea culpa mentality where it's like, I must suffer in order to be awesome or, or to do my faith right. I have to be suffering all the time. Mm-hmm. And if I don't do it properly, it's, it, it's this rigid mentality that turns into pride in a lot yeah. of, in a lot of instances where it's like, look at what I'm doing. It's like the, the idea, it's like, Oh, look at, you know, in the beginning we had to, really tone down part of the program is if one of us messes up, then our whole group in, in solidarity, we all take the punishment because sin affects everybody. So that's awesome. They always, they always wanted to do pushups though. And I'm like, it got to the point where we had to say, we can't just do pushups, you know, because that in some way, it's like, Oh yeah, we want to do more pushups. Oh, how many pushups this time? And it's like, it's, it's missing the point of why we're doing penance. The point of penance is not to get ripped and like look cool and be awesome. <laughs> it's, I mean, because then yeah, it gets to that yeah. pharisaical pride. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of times when, unfortunately, when Catholics miss the mark in that extreme as well, when they, even when they're trying to do a good thing, get to a prideful place where they're like, I'm, look at how awesomely I'm fasting or look how many prayers I'm doing. And then it gets to the point where you start looking down and you start becoming a Pharisee where you start looking down at people with this rigid, you know, I, I'm the law, you know, I, yeah. I follow the law. I made it. I made it. I made, I, yeah. I am law, you know? Yeah. As soon as you say I've made it, you can be a hundred percent sure that you have not made it. Yeah, right. <laughs> you are... It's like, well, then you should be dead because then you have nothing else to do. Time to go back to heaven. So, <laughs> and I like yeah. what father Larry Richards says about this, where he says the Pharisees followed all the laws of Leviticus they followed all the Ten Commandments. There's like 700 laws of Leviticus. 
Uh, and they followed it to a T. They followed every single one of them. There's like 700 in Leviticus. And he said they're probably all in hell because they did it without love and they did they missed the point of why you do that stuff. Because it's not about just doing things. It's always encouraged to not just give something up just to give something up. You, you got to understand the reason why you give things up. Like, why do yeah. we, like, what's the point of giving something up for Lent if you're not going to let it affect the rest of your life? Yeah. The, the reason to give things up during Lent is part of the reason that we're giving things up, or it's the exact reason why we're giving stuff up for this Exodus 90 program. It's to, part of it is the fasting that, that atones for certain sins, but also to have a detachment from things that sometimes become our false gods. Where it, I didn't realize how attached I was to media. One of the things we yeah. were not allowed to do is we can only use the phone and the computer for work-related things. Um, there's other things like cold showers and, uh, you know, you can't have beer. You can only eat during meals. You can't eat between meals. Certain things. And these things that seem fairly simple in their nature but you think like oh man you can't have beer you can't have alcohol that is probably the least concerning issue that i've had the the biggest problem i found was media especially because yeah. i work in media yeah but i think that that was the hardest thing for guys too is the silence that comes when we don't fill it because we can't watch tv um we can only watch certain things with permission from the group and we can only listen to music that glorifies God. And I think that was the thing that got me the most was the silence. And as we've been going along this process, what I've noticed is that it really took like a cleansing process to get rid of some of this stuff. So I didn't need it so much. But then my thoughts go to God more now. I don't need the things I used to watch. I don't really have that obsession. I do struggle a little bit with the social media thing that's something that I have more of a compulsion for. And it's hard too, because I work in the media realm. So it's, it's harder for me to separate my work from the thing sure. I'm trying to avoid. But I realize that that's the thing that keeps me from God sometimes. Yeah. Is my compulsion to need the social media and to need these things and to not never have the silence and to never have any peace and any silence. And really to bring it back around to, to Lent, that's really the point of some of the of these practices is why do we fast? Why do we alms give? Why do we why do we do all these things? It's to return back to the Lord. Yeah. That's exactly the question. Why are we doing what we're doing? The priest last night gave a really awesome perspective that, that helped helped me orient my I don't know, goals or my heart for this Lent. Because, you know, the three pillars of Lent we are prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Mm -hmm. And that comes straight from Jesus, and we read that on Ash Wednesday. He tells us how to do those things, too. Here's a short tangent. Everything you need to know about Lent is in the first seven days of the daily readings at Mass. Oh, wow. For example, even just what we're talking about here in the, the first reading, the Prophet Joel, the Lord says, Return to me with your whole heart. Rend your hearts, not your garments. You know, it's that interior change, not just that exterior change that he's looking for. But then Jesus goes through, okay, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. When you pray, 
do this. When you fast, do this. When you give alms, do it this way. Right. If we just spent all Lent doing that, we would be, you know, we would have the <laughs> be best a lot Lent ever. Yeah. Right. The the way that the priest last night described it, those three things to put them in perspective is, we give alms to heal our relationship with others, and we pray to heal our relationship with God, and we fast. To heal our relationship with ourselves. Wow. And that just blew my mind because I was like, that's it. Any t- any practice I pick for each of those three things should be to that end of healing my relationship mm-hmm. with others, with God, and with myself. Because I think I've fallen into this pharisaical idea of, okay, just prayer and fasting and almsgiving is good. So I'll just, you know, give a little more money in the collection and <laughs> I'll, you know, take on an extra prayer that I don't really feel like doing and yeah. and I'll fast because I'm supposed to fast. And the more I fast, the better. Woohoo! Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if I go the whole day and I don't eat, that's bonus points. Yeah. <laughs> Only bonus points. Funny story about that. <laughs> when I first came, became Catholic. Mm-hmm. I kind of became Catholic in a vacuum. Like it was a, a very intellectual pursuit. So I didn't have a lot of living examples around me of people who were practicing their faith. But I had a, a lot of the writings of the saints, which I just treasured. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, instead of running to like St. Therese or St. Francis de Sales, who lays out spirituality for lay people, mm. uh, I went straight to St. Anthony of the desert. Who's like oh. this, one of the, the like father of monasticism Ooh, in the east so yeah. he lived in the desert and ate nothing and was just <laughs> a total boss in that way lots starting to make sense right now <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, then, and the other one was saint francis of assisi who was just oh, like great. mr yeah. penance you know <laughs> throwing himself in a bunch of thorn bushes exactly so those two guys are the ones i'm reading the most and so i'm thinking oh if you want to be holy, you got to like fast 40 days on bread, a loaf of bread. You know, that's like people just aren't trying hard enough, you know, and uh, they just don't care. Oh, man. So one day it wasn't that's for Lent. So it was for 40 days for life. Oh, yeah. If you've ever heard of 40 days for life, uh, gone and prayed in front of the abortion facilities. And... Which starts on uh, Ash Wednesday. Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. That's great. Every year. This particular campaign wasn't during Lent, but I it was like, oh, fast and mm-hmm. abortion. And I'm like, yeah, okay. I'm going to do 40 days of bread and water. <laughs> Ready, go. <laughs> oh. I'm in college. This is like my junior, senior year of college. Yeah, you're fine. Like been Catholic yeah. for, you know, I don't even know, a couple months. Whole hot minute. Yeah. And <laughs> I made it. Three days before I caved and had to run and get an In-N-Out burger because my poor body <laughs> was like, you can't live on bread alone. <laughs> Fool, read the scriptures. Yeah. <laughs> I did not understand the importance of a well-rounded diet uh, and the effect that would have on my body. It's not just about the word of God. Sometimes you need some meat. <laughs> yeah. So I ran to In-N-Out and then I guiltily ran to confession and uh, – <laughs> My, a wonderful priest, Father Owen, God rest his soul. He uh, basically is like, wait, so this is a self-imposed fast. 
that you he's like basically he's like what the hell is wrong with you <laughs> he's taking notes he's like okay i can do that yeah you know. yes, no he talked some sense into me oh my god uh, but i think that's an example of we see the externals mm-hmm. and we want to put holiness in a box and say holiness yeah. is this but the externals do come but at the same time they're not always there i mean, Jesus himself says, many who are first will be last, mm-hmm. and many who are last will be first. And I think that applies within the church as well as, as just in the world in general, because man sees the outward appearance, but God sees the heart. Yeah. So that question of what relationships do I need to heal, and then giving alms in that way. Yeah. I think if we just focus on that, if you said, who... Do I most? What relationships do I most need to heal in my life right now? And then your alms for Lent were all directed towards healing those relationships. It'd be an amazing. Man, that would Lent. be a, that would be a, a life changing kind of thing. I mean, you would you would never yeah. be the same after that. One of the most profound experiences in my life was right after my my conversion. I went and every single person. I could think of all the way back to like middle school. If I made fun of someone in wow. middle school or more serious mm-hmm. stuff that had happened more recently, I was in college and I just went, I made personal phone calls That's to everybody. Awesome. And it was just one of the most profound experiences in my life. And it was healing for me too. Yeah. Oh, I can imagine. You know, it that was mind blowingly, I mean, profound. Yeah. It, yeah. And I think that's an example that, that the Lord he gives us in Zacchaeus, for example. What does Zacchaeus do after he repents? He goes and he gives four times as much to anyone he's wronged mm-hmm. or anyone he's stolen money from. Yeah. If, if we if you spent all Lent just doing that, you you would have an amazing life changing Lent. And and so I bottom line is I think we have to ask those questions that help us get to the heart of things and not just oh okay at saints seem to do x y and z right i'm gonna try to do x y and z because it seems like what holy people or do. like w x y and z i'm gonna do just a little bit more so i can seem holier you know <laughs> <laughs> but bread and water fast i guess <laughs> yeah i i think that's incredible um Man, that Pharisee thing, so perfect because that's something I think about all the time. It's something where it's, I would see people and I'm like, if you do this stuff without love, you, you're a Pharisee. Just knowing about the mass doesn't make you holy. You can't just go around yeah. dictating. And you'd see all these people getting into the dumbest arguments about, you know, and being so offended by like, Oh, they didn't do it in the high mass style or something, you know, or some like yeah, yeah. ridiculous thing. And then it, and then I look at it, it's like, how, how do you justify this with calling yourself a Christian and a loving person? Yeah. That's something that I'm really grateful for, um, for my time in the non-denominational mm-hmm. communities is it's, they do such a good job of just focusing on Jesus mm-hmm. and what's essential. And obviously no one's perfect and it right. happens there too. But I think that 
for whatever reason, maybe because it's not as formal mm-hmm. and there's not, you can't rely as much on, oh, well, the church says this, and, right. you know, kind of right. use, use the truth <laughs> as a, as a weapon. <laughs> yeah. You, you have to just lean on, oh, Jesus alone. Yeah. And that was something that I, I pray about all the time mm. too, because I, more than even another, I just see it in myself. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Especially I came into the church and it was amazing. Mm-hmm. And I'm so grateful to be in the one true church, the fullness of the truth. But it was a big learning curve for me yeah. that I think just over the last six months, even the Lord is really opening my heart oh, about awesome. a lot of things with rigidity and things like yeah. that, because it's just it was so easy to forget what's essential and get caught up in like, the details and the technicalities mm-hmm. and what's best. But like, all you have to do is you open your Bible and St. Paul's like, don't get caught up in disputes about opinions. <laughs> yeah. <You know>? Right. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and then it's, you know, it's always comforting to me when I read the part where it's like, we do not know how to pray as about it. I'm like, good. Cause I, I haven't a clue how to go about doing this. <laughs> and I'll tell you, I've been a Catholic my whole life and the more you get into it, the more you realize how poorly you go about it. One thing I've been listening to with this Exodus program, I've been listening to a ton of Catholic radio and Holy Family radios are Catholic station out here. And one person, because I've heard people talk about Father John Ricardo a ton. He does this great series that really interests me and I think I'm going to delve far more deeply into it but I, I i always want to like take notes on every part where he, he did this series called rcia for catholics and i think that what a beautiful idea uh yeah. because i know that i need it you know i I, yeah. I need to be reminded of okay you know i i've been living this life for a long time i do love jesus i i do my best but i need help because i and one of the things he says is like we have the fullness of truth we should be the holiest people on the face of the earth. Why aren't yeah. we? You know, and it's yeah. funny because he also talks about how people go through this whole thing in, in RCIA. They go through this thing. They, they're so on fire for the faith. Then they sit next to us and then they leave because we don't even say hi. We yeah. don't do any of this stuff. We, and we yeah. don't act like Jesus as examples. That's something that's always in the forefront of my mind is like, how, how am I being an example of Christ right now? You know, yeah. how, if that's people awesome. look at me and they see me, I haven't done my job right. They should be seeing Jesus in me. Amen. Yeah. So there's a talk that I listen to often from the then brother Michael Therese, who is now Father Michael Therese in Laredo, who is one of our uh, from one of our favorite communities, the uh, community of St. John. And he gave a talk on angels, but he was talking about it's never with these guys. It's never just about the topic. It's always how the topic relates back to who's listening to it. And just about it, it, they relate it not just for the knowledge of the thing itself, but how does it relate back to our, not only our faith, but how it's lived out in our lives and and basically understanding Mm -hmm. for, for our actions and our mentalities and and all that. And he was talking about um, the, the gaze of the devil. Like they were talking about the fall of the angels and they were talking about how, the devil and his mentality is a form of artistic contemplation. So artistic contemplation is when you reduce all, when you reduce things back to yourself. 
um, and your vision for something, which is, for the most part, it's excellent. I'm an artist, and uh, if you're an artist, you understand how when you look at something, and the example he gave was the the David, um, Michelangelo, it was David, when he got this big slab of marble in his shop, and it wasn't just that he loved marble for marble's sake. He saw the David in the marble. Uh, or when an artist looks at a sunset, or anyone who stares at it with an artistic contemplation, doesn't look at it and think, oh, this is a huge ball of fire we go around. They think, oh, you know, the day is ending. Or like, oh, what the beauty of the light. Um, and even if you put a religious spin on it, like how God is like the sun uh, and shines with the light. And you can understand God more. But it's always back to how you understand it, which is excellent um, until you... Uh, until it crosses the more to the moral level where you start reducing all things back to yourself. You know, I will only love you to the point where I understand you and, and how pridefulness, uh, this is going off the talk, but it relates to how pride is a reduction of all things back to yourself. Uh, it's a very inward focused mentality and an inward focused vice. Whereas, Humility is a very outward-focused mentality. And prayer, fasting, and almsgiving is, is always focused outward, you'll notice. So, you know, prayer is focused on God. Almsgiving is to the, the person you're giving to. Um, fasting, so, it, it's sort of related to you, but it's also, it's also the reduction of yourself and, and what you want. So, it's always an outwardly-focused mentality. And... It just, I think that it gets to a point when when you see someone who reduced it back to myself and look how holy I look, that it, it starts losing its meaning. Uh, that one line about how if you do everything but you have no love, it's it's worthless, totally worthless. Yeah. And the most holy people I've seen that are truly holy never talk about it. You know, you notice they're, they're never, like, talking about their prayers. And actually, um, you and Mo strike me as, and not, this is very rare, so enjoy it while you can. <laughs> but but yeah, it's something I really. <laughs> so we all make mistakes, Andrew. So. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah well, you know. Your holy meter okay. this is This is something that will, uh, <laughs> you'll have to fast for this later. But, um, but it was funny, too, because uh, our good friend David Marshinda at one time, pointed Mo out and was like, you'll notice that Mo doesn't say a whole lot. She just serves with a quiet, um, a quiet obedience and a quiet, uh, she doesn't make things all about herself. She makes it very much about everyone else. Um, and even there, it gets to a point too, where it's kind of funny because, uh, Mo and I go way back to, um, we knew each other even from high school and, uh, one thing that she, and actually her family does, because her family and my family are very close, uh, they'll do this thing, at least Bernadette, her sister, and she will do, they'll always get you to talk about yourself first. Like, whenever you meet up with them, <laughs> they, they're always like, oh, yeah. how are you doing? They would try, they'll always focus it back, and every time I'd meet up with them, especially Mo, every time I meet up, she would, she would get me, and in a very, like, very giving, very genuine, gracious kind of way, They'd always ask questions and be very and truly interested 
in what you had to say the whole time until it was time to go. And then you'd realize, wait a second, we haven't talked about you at all. They're like, oh, well, that's, you know, that's fine, whatever. And then they just, like, go off, and you're like, wait a second, this, what the heck? <laughs> and it's, but it's just funny how they, so I always, like, they, in that interaction, they always taught me to kind of, like, get the other person to talk first. And I always took a, a leaf out of their book, especially when I was talking with them. They'd be like, oh, how you doing? I'm like, uh-uh-uh, no, I don't think so. You're going first. Um, but it was always really beautiful because the humility of that, of not bringing all the attention back to yourself, having this genuineness in your outward gaze, you know, this non-artistic contemplation. Uh, and again, artistic contemplation is not bad. It's only when it, you do it with people and you reduce people back to what, you know, and into that moral level of like the reduction of all things back to yourself and that pridefulness. Um, and I think, and it's unfortunate how you see that in a lot of people who like, I want to look holy, you know, I'm doing these things and I'm doing this Lent and I'm fasting and I, and I want to, I want to seem like I'm holy or holier than other people. <clears throat> and, you know, they talk about, Oh man, I had this great retreat. I, and you know, something that drives me crazy too. And, and this is not meant to be offensive at all. And, you know, for people who have this <laughs> genuine love and just, but you can always tell when people have a genuine love for like saints, like Pope John Paul or Saint John Paul II. You know, like oh yeah, JP two, love JP two, and you usually you can tell the difference between people who really genuinely love him and people who are just fan, fan you know, like super fans. You know, like they they don't they they just like to be associated with John Paul II because they want to be cool by association. You know, or they'll say, oh, oh, look at all, oh man, I just did my morning reading and my novena and all this stuff, and just like list all the stuff they did, but they live in a way that does not reflect that prayer. Yeah. You know, I'd almost want, I, I can relate more to a person who does less, but has this, gen, like, Hannah's dad does not know much about, like, theology, deep theology or anything, but the way he lives his life sure. is far holier than most people I see. Who, who go through, who know every single prayer, who know, like, the entire form of the Mass, like, right. all these theological stuff, don't, they do not have an inch on, on Hannah's dad. Because he just, he lives it. Yeah. yeah, it's not about how much you know. It's not about how much you know. And I think that that humility is so important. And true humility, not just like, oh, look at how humble I am. Oh, isn't it great how humble I am? It's really about, like, this, lowering of self i love the litany familiar where it talks about <clears throat> lord grant me the grace and desire that other people become holier than i granted that i become as holy as i as as holy as, as um i'm meant to be like what yeah. you know if you ever if if you ever want to be uh humbled go through the litany of humility <laughs> man yeah that's that will that will bring you down a notch so yeah. And I think what you're getting at is within the church, there is this culture. Mm -hmm. it's, it's its own little yeah. subculture in some ways, which isn't a bad thing. But it all of a sudden offers you all the same vanities that you gave up in the world. Yeah, right. <laughs> it offers you this popularity and all this stuff that you renounced when you left, you know, the the chasing the things of this world for God. It's, it's just like the thorns can choke it out. Yeah. 
so easily. But it's cool because I'm doing it for God. I'm I'm vain for God, yeah. so it's cool. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> and I think that's why Jesus says, "Do do these things in secret." Mm-hmm. That's what cultivates real love for God. I mean, you don't have to hide. Obviously, don't pretend that you're not Christian. Don't mm-hmm. hide that. Let your light shine. But do these things for God alone. Yeah. You pray in secret. How are you praying in secret? How are you giving alms in secret? How are you fasting in secret in order to grow in love for him? Because that's what it's all about. For sure. And honestly, I think sometimes people do it out of a desire to be wanted. You know, I I think that there is a... That's understandable. And I can see that, you know, and to our listener, like, if, if you have some of these tendencies, we all do. We all have this desire to be wanted. Um, really, it's it's more about um, really understand why you're doing it. You know, I I think that there's not much better of an examination to really understand why you do some of these things. Because really, like the opinions of people are so fleeting, and to do it for people's affection is is it's going to leave you wanting. It always. It, I mean, it definitely has in my life. I. I've grown a lot more humble over the years just because the kind of show I wanted to put on for people, I really like, I I hate admitting this, but I really want to be wanted. Like I really want to be desired a lot. And when I grew up, I, I was teased a lot and I had a lot of rejection and there was a lot of hurts that came from that. So I always had this desire to be wanted and combined with my kind of gregarious (laughs) personality, um, that was always a temptation for me is to be kind of showy in some ways. But then over the years, it just always disappointed me. And I just realized that people's opinions, especially the opinions that I really wanted, I really wanted validation from, you know, people I really admired and respected. And even as early as, you know, within the last year or so, people who uh, I really wanted attention Again, and it wasn't even that they're bad people, but it's just like the way I wanted it to be disappointed me because it didn't end up being that way. And then it always brought me back to like, it always brought me back to God and saying like, the pursuit of this is fruitless. Like just to, just to try to impress these other people, to do these things to impress people is so, it's, it's so fleeting. And to not just do it because it's going to impress somebody or because it'll give you some kind of like popularity points. Like the true, I've never found more peace than when I was able to do it for God and then realize that that is more validated than you could know. I mean, there was a real peace about it and a real like invincibility in the fact that I didn't need opinions. Like people's opinions of me could come and go, but I was always secure in the fact that I did it for God and, and that really brought about this confidence that that resounded so um you know again if you if you find that you do some of this don't be discouraged just really re-examine it's like and this might be a great time to do that honestly i know i'm probably going to do some of that uh really examining where some of these things i do come from um so yeah man this is a great topic that's you a, really got me going with, that's with awesome, some of the man. uh <laughs> Thanks for oh, sharing. Oh, of course. That. Well, you've got you man, you got me going cuz that Pharisee thing is something that that gets me. Anyway, so yeah, well thanks for bringing it up too because that 
I I enjoy talking about it. It gets on. Me too. I there's just not enough time. We're gonna have to have another. Yeah, part two. Well, well, maybe or Pharisees uh, or it. All the we above. We should do like a uh, a checkup halfway through Lent. Um, Let's yeah, do like it. That. Let's yeah. do yep. it. Put on the put it on All the right. Trello board. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. So well, if we're almost done, I mean, I did the parting glass last time. Do you want to do it this time? Do you have something uh, going on? I do. I do. I so, and it actually uh, just came to me while we were talking too. The book I would recommend is all about what we were talking about. It's been one of the most impactful books in my entire life. I'd actually love to share more about this book in a future a future yeah. show because I have a lot to say wow. about it and a lot to share of just how it's impacted me. But it's all about seeking God alone, seeking God for his own sake. But it's also really accessible. It's actually written by a, a Protestant pastor named A.W. Okay. Tozer. And it's called The Pursuit of God. So I highly recommend it. It's only like 10 chapters, but it's, if you're going to read it, read one chapter a week and pray through it. Don't just read the book. Read one chapter, chew on it, and pray about it, and bring that to God all week. And then the next week, or whenever you're ready, if it takes longer than a week, go to the next chapter and just let God do amazing things That's in awesome. life. Yeah, I'll have to look that up and uh, check it out. My my word of wisdom would be two words from Christ that this Lent and always, but especially this Lent, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. And your father who sees in secret will repay you. Beautiful. That's some good. Well, cheers to that. Cheers. To the Lord. To the Lord who mm-hmm. sees in secret. All right. Well, uh, keep Oh, if you didn't give up Facebook for Lent. <laughs> or we're uh, not doing Exodus, yeah. <laughs> you can continue the conversation on our Facebook page. And we'll post, as always, the, the book and the uh, any other relevant links. And we'd love to hear from you and, and connect with you throughout the week so that we can continue to grow in Christian friendship together. And if you are uh, giving it up, you know, you want to pop in on Sunday and just uh, take a look at what's going on. <laughs> yeah, you know, the Lord's okay. That's okay because it is, again, a a mini feast day every Sunday, the Lord's Day of Rest. So it's actually appropriate to uh, do that because it gives glory to God. So And it humbles you because then you don't have to be on the I'm so holy because I fast all the time thing. So check it out. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Come, come, come to our Facebook page. It'll make it you, will make you humble make and holy. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll talk to you guys next week. Take care. Peace. Welcome to Incapernum. Welcome to Incapernum. <laughs> Welcome to Incapernum. A slight foot. Bienvenidos a Incapernum. Con tu host, Stuart y David. Con tu host? Yeah. Wait, isn't that dos? <laughs> Who is your? <laughs> Where real Christian friends come together to navigate the world on their own journey. Um, 
practice. <laughs> no, I didn't. You came in. <laughs> Welcome to Ignopernum, a slice of life podcast where real Christian friends come together to navigate the world on their journey to God. We hope that while you're here, you are able to experience authentic friendship, edifying conversation, and a deep love for God with us, with your hosts, David and Stuart. This is episode one. We're glad you're here. <laughs>